Hello, hello. Welcome back to Peak Northwest, an outdoors and travel podcast by The Oregonian and Oregon Live, dedicated to the adventure and exploration of our beautiful Pacific Northwest. I'm Jamie Hale. And I'm Jim Ryan. And together, we take you to some of the most beautiful and interesting destinations in our region, discussing where to go, what to do, and places to see. And today, Jamie, we're talking about going out on some of those adventures all by ourselves. Yeah, you know, Jim, as fun as it is to travel with friends or family, I feel like there's something so powerful and rewarding about traveling alone. Yeah, and it's kind of timely too, right? Uh, It's (laughs) a time where maybe, let's be honest, we are looking to get out of the house. We're not looking to mix households uh, and traveling by yourself seems kind of appealing. But I have to say, Jamie, uh, I also enjoy getting out by myself. You know, I really do, too. I mean, it's something that I do a lot. Um, Obviously, as a travel writer, I do this for work, um, traveling alone. And, you know, as like a single person who has a lot of friends who don't have as much flexibility to travel as I do, I also do a lot of solo travel in my personal life. So for me, it's become something that's really sort of natural and easy. But I also recognize that there are a lot of people out there for whom Solo travel is a really scary proposition. Yeah, definitely a push outside of your comfort zone, especially when you like hit that moment, you know, you're in your tent in the woods and you Mm -hmm. hear that noise or whatever it is, you know, that spooks you and makes you think twice about uh, what you're doing out there all by yourself. So to talk with us today about solo travel is Kim Wara, an avid solo traveler based in Portland. Kim, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. So pumped to be able to talk about something like this during this, uh, these, as they say, trying times. <laughs> That's right. Well, so so first of all, tell us about what kinds of solo travel you do and you enjoy doing. Are we talking day hikes, camping trips, or something else? Yeah, so I've, I mean, obviously now I'm doing more solo traveling just based in the area, solo camping trips I've done over the summer, as well as a lot of just day trips and hikes around the gorge um, and around Oregon, just since we're kind of limited now a little bit with traveling. Um, But beforehand, before the pandemic, (laughs) I was traveling overseas. Um, I went to Japan and Thailand last year and just really enjoyed being there and being by myself. That is super cool and inspiring for folks who maybe are like, yeesh, Japan, Thailand, all by myself. That (laughs) sounds difficult. So how did you start traveling by yourself? What inspired you to kind of, you know, get out there solo? I really started just kind of what you what you touched on earlier in terms of um, being a single person and living by myself. I think sometimes it's just hard to coordinate with people that have other lives, their families, and everything. And I eventually just decided I'm going to start just going for a hike by myself and kind of venture out and see how it goes. And I really just became addicted to doing an impromptu trip like that, just the feeling of, oh, I'm just I have time now, I'm just going to go and get out there and all of that. And so it started out with more local trips. Um, I went down to Ashland, spent some time by the Rogue River and all of that. And I just really enjoyed it. And I enjoyed kind of the peace 
of being in nature and being by myself. And from there, I was, you know, really addicted to that feeling, I guess, of just being um, in wherever I'm at and really being able to experience it, um, like immersing myself in the environment. So I started just traveling internationally, um, mainly just (laughs) because it's very difficult to coordinate with people. And I found that I enjoy the flexibility of just being on my own schedule, being on my own um, time, and not really needing to be accountable to anybody, I guess, mm-hmm. <laughs> if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think that's kind of how it started. And now I really just enjoy it and purposefully um, do it all of the time as much as I can. That is really cool. And I I, I have to say, I've done solo travel kind of in, in fits and starts you know, throughout my adult life. If I'm just being honest, there was a time after I I moved to Portland where I didn't have, you know, a humongous group of awesome, you know, outdoorsy friends who also wanted to go out and explore. And as a result, did a lot of that travel by myself. Today, not as often, though I did do one larger solo trip this summer. But for all of the good things about solo travel, you have to also admit there are probably some barriers or discomforts uh, that you might face. Anything that comes to mind or anything you've experienced that's kind of like, you know, geesh, it's kind of difficult. For sure. I think that especially being a woman out in the outdoors, I think there's a lot that you need to be aware of. And I find that um, it is a little scary, but I've, as I've done it more, I've obviously gotten way more comfortable with these things. And I think so much of that is just being prepared and knowing your limits, knowing what you're capable of, and not really pushing beyond that. Like, you're not in competition with anybody. You're just trying to enjoy the outdoors or enjoy, you know, the place that you're going to. It's not, there's no reason to really put yourself um, in places that seem beyond your comfort zone in terms of like danger and like risk aversion and all of that. But I think that it is important to really um, to push yourself within your realm of, of what you enjoy doing and what you feel comfortable doing. But I also acknowledge that I do have, um, I do have some privilege in terms of being white being cis, but also I'm six foot. So I feel a little bit <laughs> safe <laughs> in that regard, <laughs> just because I'm like, well, nobody will mess with me. because Not really an easy target here. But I think that a lot of it is just acknowledging the risks and being prepared and being ready for anything, just really educating yourself about the area. Um, and having a plan is just so important, I think really just having a plan and being able to um, be prepared for for anything that may come your way. Um, I think that I kind of can err a little bit on the side of overanalyzing every possible thing that could possibly happen. And I don't recommend anyone watch as much true crime related content as I do, uh, <laughs> because that certainly doesn't help. <laughs> but but it has prepared me in terms of okay i know i know the risk maybe in any situation and could kind of plan accordingly i feel like that's helped 
Um, but so much of it is just letting people know where you are, knowing that somebody knows where you are, if anything were to happen, but also just doing the research and um, learning as much as you can before heading out to just kind of be your best defense. Yeah, you're you're kind of relying on no one else but yourself, right? I mean, that's, this is what I've, I've found. There's no one else who's going to have the first aid kit or there's no one else who's going to be able to like help you out if you twist your ankle. Um, and so it, it really requires you to take full responsibility for your own safety um, and also for your own enjoyment of the situation. You know, just like there's no one else to help you out for in an emergency, there's no one else to help you out if you're having a hard time emotionally or, you know, if you're really being hard on yourself. It, it To me, solo travel seems like sort of this, um, a form of self-care because it really forces you into your own self, into your own mind, your own emotional state. And, you know, for, for all those challenges, you, you have to be able to help yourself out of those. Oh, yeah. It really forces you to have to um, think about all those things and how they relate to you um, and make the best decisions that way. But yeah, I, I think that there's also something to be said about the hiking community or the travel community. There's always people out on the trails and things like that, especially if you're going to popular places or popular national parks or monuments and things like that. I think that also, um, being ready for anything yourself, but also knowing that if there is a community there of other hikers and things like that, that you can, um, everybody is very prepared to help you if you need it, depending on where you're at. You know, I, I saw an interaction um, on Twitter between you and another person. And um, it, it seemed that they had said that they were inspired by you to try out solo hiking because of your experiences that you had described. I mean, do, do you set out to sort of inspire other people to share your experiences? Um, or is that just sort of a, a byproduct of what you naturally do? Yes. Oh, for sure. That was so exciting to see. Because I think I don't intentionally like broadcast, hey, get out there, everybody. Like, you should do this too. It's really important. But seeing that um, people are almost taking that message from seeing me get out there and all of that um, is great. I think that that's something that I didn't necessarily anticipate, but I think that it is so important, uh, the self-care element that you said, but also just not feeling limited, especially right now where traveling is limited and interaction with other people is limited not feeling like you're trapped, this is a good opportunity to to get out there um, and still empower yourself and feel like, yes, I can do this. So yeah, that was really exciting to see. I, I, I hope that there are other people that have been inspired and I just didn't see it on Twitter or something. <laughs> it's a very cool feeling. And for those folks who are maybe like, heck yeah, I'm going to get after it. I'm going to go try this. I'm going to go do my first solo weekend or whatever. Any advice for those folks? Yes, definitely do your research. Um, make sure that you're familiar with the area, at least to, to start. The first place I camped was completely unknown to me. So actually, that's a bad example. But <laughs> <laughs> scratch that. Um, I think that picking a place that, was, that is familiar 
And if you're camping, I like picking a state park where I know there's going to be people, there's going to be rangers, there's going to be, um, there's going to be enough people around that will kind of provide that strength and numbers feeling if I needed help or if something happened. Um, and I think, yeah, doing your research, going, making sure that you're familiar with the place and letting people know where you're going and what your plan is, is important. What your timing is, if you're going on a hike, then letting somebody know this is where I'm going. I'm going to be out for probably a couple hours or something like that is always helpful, especially if you are going out for the first time. And other than that, I think just take hiking safety seriously in terms of bringing enough water, making sure that you have a first aid kit if something were to happen. I always use a map to make sure I'm on the correct trail. So that's <laughs> something that um, you never want to to be without at least some sort of direction um, with where you're going. So I think things like that. I think but also um, knowing that you can do it, you can reach out if you need help um, is always a good place to start, making sure you have cell phone reception if you do need to reach out um, and that sort of thing if you're venturing out for the first time. But yeah, I think everybody should um, in our great Pacific Northwest outdoors. Um, it's just so beautiful. And I, I, I think everybody should get out there and experience it for themselves uh, fully. Absolutely so. Well, I want to hear a little bit more about some of your solo travels, maybe some more tips for hitting the road by yourself. But first, we're going to take a short break. All right, folks, we are back talking about a little bit of solo travel and Kim, we've talked, you know, here on the show so far about some tips and tricks and, you know, why you love getting outside, going on trips by yourself. But what we haven't talked about is maybe some of your favorite places you've been. Uh, enlighten us. What are, what are some of your faves? One of the best trips that I ever went on was a few years ago, I, um, I set off on a trip that was only partially planned. Um, I had places that I was going to stay. I knew the state parks that I was going to be camping in and all of that. But in terms of like my daily itinerary, I guess you could say, I didn't have um, a fully fleshed out plan for what I was going to do. But I drove to Coeur d'Alene, Idaho and then camped there for a few nights and then drove to Glacier Park and stayed there in the city Polebridge, which is just like such a small town, if you can even call it that, uh, that has no electricity. It runs on just solar power, um, but it's right within uh, Glacier National Park in um, just right in the park limits. So I stayed there. And then from there, I drove to Banff and spent a few days there. And then I drove back to Portland uh, via Canada. So I stayed on the Canadian side. And my final stop was in Kelowna in British Columbia. And it just was 
such an incredible trip. And it was the first time that I had set off by myself for like an ex- uh, extended period of time where I was hitting multiple places and also heading out pretty far from where I lived. So I did plan out state parks that I stayed in in uh, Idaho. And then while I was there, there was a there, this was um, in, I should say, this is was in late summer. And it happened to be a peak wildfire time, which kind of unfortunately, (laughs) unfortunately, really uh, shaped how my trip ended up uh, in in terms of how the fire was burning. But when I was in Coeur d'Alene, I was camping by myself just in one of the state parks there. And there was a huge thunderstorm, thunder and lightning. I'm like in my tent, just, of course, you can't sleep at all, just sitting there. (laughs) Like, because it's so loud. And the whole time I'm thinking, okay, if, if the lightning is striking in a way that's like going to perpetuate all the forest fires that are happening, how am I going to know? Like, when will I, (laughs) would someone announce it loudly in the state park? And uh, unfortunately that never came up. Uh, There was no further burning happening as related to the storm. but then I, I ended up um, setting out a, either the next day or so on. And then when I was in Pole Bridge um, in Glacier National Park, basically the whole park was on fire while I was there. So I would it was getting to a point where I would do one hike, like the High Line Trail. And then the next day they were like, the High Line Trail is closed because it's actively burning. And it just, it first of all, it was interesting that the whole park was still open, although parts were closed, obviously, but um, you could still kind of drive through the whole thing. And that was, and where I was staying, um, this was a situation where, in as I was talking about knowing your limits with what you're, uh, what you feel safe doing, I did stay in a hostel in Polebridge, which was so great. Um, there was pretty much nobody there at the time because of the fires. But um, we ended up getting evacuated. And I was glad that I had at least shelter at that point, because the um, the person running the hostel came and woke me up mm-hmm. in the middle of the night and was like, everybody has to leave. The fire is like burning much too close to where we're at and all of that. So I ended up just leaving directly from there and driving straight to Banff pretty much <laughs> from, from Glacier. Um, and then in, in Banff, there was some wildfire smoke. It was a little bit better up there at that time, but uh, it just was an incredible trip in that it challenged me in all of the right ways, but I also didn't really feel unsafe um, and just such beautiful parks just amazing it really motivated me to continue to seek out all the national parks in the area and really um it just kind of stoked the fire of um oh that's not a good expression (laughs) Uh, but it really just (laughs) motivated me to keep going and keep exploring uh so that was great uh, for that so i just really loved that trip and some of my other favorite local cut local ish to Oregon 
areas that I've um, taken trips have been just uh, down in Southern Oregon. Um, I just really love the Rogue River. I've been rafting on the Rogue River many times, and it's just one of my favorite places to be. It's very peaceful there um, and everything. And I just, I just love it. It's great. And not too far away. Yeah, I, I love that your your sort of go to big solo travel story was one with, you know, some of the fires and like, you know, all the, the long driving and these crazy things. I think that speaks to like you said, um, like we've talked about here, some of that that aspect of solo travel about, you know, overcoming uh, adversity and getting through these barriers by yourself and trusting yourself to do that. I think there's there's also I know for myself anyway there's when it comes to just being out in these sort of grand natural landscapes by yourself there's something to me that that's so special about that too when there's sort of just that quiet of the mountains or the forests or wherever it is and you have you know no conversation except just the one with yourself and with the nature around you that to me seems to be sort of the flip side the other part of the what makes these experiences by yourself so special Oh, for sure. I feel like the connection that you can make with the place that you're visiting and being out in nature like that and being by yourself, it it just forces you to be with, you know, in the moment and really be if you're somebody that likes thinking about things or clearing your mind. It's good for either of those. It's a good way to kind of refresh and feel revitalized from either solving the world's problems via your internal dialogue, as I sometimes do, or just being silent and really just absorbing it. I think when you are with other people, the focus becomes more um, on on the conversation and on more like, um, oh, this, this is how we're reacting to what we're seeing, but you're not really paying attention. Um, you're more paying attention to a conversation or what the other person is doing and all of that. And it just gives you such a good opportunity being by yourself to, um, to get the most enjoyment out of, out of nature and out of travel, I think. Yeah, like and like you said, those self conversations I think are so. Yeah, um, I think they're fun anyway. Um, those long many hours of driving out in the car by yourself, oftentimes just in the middle of nowhere, um, it's a great time to work stuff out with yourself. I found anyway. You know, nothing wrong with talking <laughs> to yourself in the car um, <laughs> on, on the on the highway. Um, it's like oh, a little bit of sure. self therapy. It definitely is. I have sometimes finished a hike and been like. I have a clear plan for the rest of my weekend now. I've figured it all out. I already <laughs> uh-huh. talked it out. If I was dealing with any sort of, you know, lack of clarity, I exhausted all of those <laughs> and really uh, figured it out at that point. So I think it's it's great uh, therapy in, in terms of just being able to kind of get clarity from things. Yeah. And no one's going to judge you for your music choices. Uh, you can pick the trail <laughs> that you want to pick. You can go as far down that trail as you want, whether it's a mile or many miles. You know, you want to carry a heavy load, you can carry a heavy load and stay the night. You want to, you know, do a little run down the trail just to get your legs moving. You can do that, too. It's uh, a pick your own adventure. 
And, you know, I think part of the, the brilliance in it all is, uh, the fact that it is simply just you. <laughs> it's funny that you say that because I, one of the things that I love about solo camping more than anything else almost is just the flexibility that you have to not really have to, this just, this sounds awful, but to not do what anybody else wants to do. You're just, you get to be selfish. You get to do whatever (laughs) you want to do uh, and whatever your schedule is. And one thing that I love is when I'm camping, I'm not making a big production over eating or cooking because I'm like, I've gotten out quick. I'm, you know, I just want to enjoy being outdoors and having a nice weekend um, out camping and hiking and all of that. And I don't want to think about, okay, do I need to bring butter, a pan, all the list of things that, you know, all the little ingredients. (laughs) Okay. I'm, I'm making sure I'm bringing a small portion of, you know, meat and dish soap and like all of this. It's like, you don't need it. I'm just eating cliff bars the whole time. And I don't want anyone to judge me for just eating a exactly. cliff bar for every meal. I'm sorry. <laughs> we're getting redemption. Okay, Kim, where were you for our camp cooking episode? Because we talked about this and I was given a super hard time about my lax camp eating, which, uh, you know, understandable, some of that critique. But I, I feel so vindicated when <laughs> you're here. It's different when you're by yourself. If if I'm eating, if I want to eat a soup out of the can and not heat it up, hey, there's no one exactly. there to judge me for it. And uh, you know, and if I'm not judging myself, then hey, I, it's a great. It's experience. great. I went to <laughs> when I went to um, on this big trip that I was talking about to Glacier and Banff. I they banned campfires while I was there. And some of the things that I brought were contingent on cooking over a a fire. And so at that point, I'm like, first of all, I'm relieved from the burden of needing to do any work while I'm on this trip. But also, I, I just I only had chips and salsa. And I'm like, well, that's it, I guess I am only eating chips and salsa for uh, (laughs) until it's gone. And then I'll figure something else out. (laughs) But I love but that. You know, s'mores I feel are like, fine, even if they're not Exactly. Cooked. Exactly. It's very easy to, that's, it's a very easy uh, way to just pivot to a new snack. <laughs> <laughs> that is too good and, and really hits home uh, with this particular pair of podcasters. Uh, we appreciate you, Kim, more <laughs> than you know, uh, for that little slice of vindication here on the show. Um, but all that said, Kim, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. This has been a lot of fun. Awesome. Yeah, this is fun. I, I feel vindicated too. So it's mutual. <laughs> all right. <laughs> well, until next time, Kim, thanks yeah, again. Thanks so it's much. been a lot of fun. You know, Jim, I, I have to echo what Kim said about encouraging people to at least try out solo traveling. And it doesn't have to be like, you know, a big trip to Glacier and Banff. Um, I think even just for people who haven't ever even gone on a solo hike, just doing something close to town, um, being out in nature by yourself, I think is a really profoundly good experience for the human soul. Um, and I think that's something that everyone should experience at least once. 
So I know there's some nervousness around that and maybe some fear. Um, but I really encourage people to try to push through some of that and give it a try because boy, is it, is it good, good for our humanity. And what Kim echoed too was, you know, the preparedness and some of the steps you can take to feel a little bit more comfortable in those situations. And she reminded us too that this solar travel doesn't have to be a grand endeavor. It doesn't have to be Japan and Thailand <laughs> as cool as those trips or one trip. I forget, you know, if she did, did them together or not, but as cool as that travel sounds, you know, your solo trip could be heading out to your favorite spot on the Oregon coast for a day mm -hmm. or your favorite state park or forest park or whatever it might be. Uh, just going on a walk in nature, going for a drive, doing something on your own and allowing a little space for reflection for maybe some singing in the car to your kind of embarrassing favorite song from like middle school or whatever. <laughs> uh, I haven't done that, you know, clearly. It, uh, you sound like someone whose music choices have been judged by others in your car. Yeah, I, I don't know about in my car or even that harsh of judgment, but maybe there's a little bit of eclectic taste there uh, <laughs> that, you know, isn't maybe the thing that you uh, broadcast in, in, let's say, the workplace out loud or whatever. Uh, so, you know what? Oh, no. Get out. No judgment here, no, Jim. No judgment on on the podcast. Uh, but I, I feel like, you know, my odd mix of music maybe is not everyone's odd mix of music. So uh, anyway, I don't know. The point being, you can get out and do what you want to do. Cliff bars, exactly. gourmet meals, <laughs> anything in between, you name it. It's all yours on the solo trip. Yeah, exactly. And you you know, I, I will, I just want to say that, of course, traveling to other people with friends, um, with family members, with whoever, um, it is super fun and valuable in its own way. Yeah. Um, at the same time, it, you know, there, it can be distracting to have other people there if what you're looking for is something that is closer to a connection with nature, um, or a connection with yourself. So if those are things that you're looking for, and I think a lot of people are, um, doing them by yourself, uh, freeing yourself from the distraction of having to hold up a conversation with someone else or worry about their experience. It's a really, just a really freeing experience to have. Yeah. Uh, neither, uh, neither one, you know, traveling alone or traveling with others is superior, but they're both very much worth a try. I'd say. Well, all that said, Jamie, until next time you can watch our videos on the Oregonians YouTube channel, Follow us on Instagram at Peak Northwest and view all of our travel and outdoors coverage on OregonLive.com slash travel. Please leave us a rating or review if you enjoy the show. And if you want to support this podcast and our local journalism, please consider a subscription to Oregon Live. You can find details, of course, at OregonLive.com slash pod support. This episode of the show was produced by me, Jim Ryan, alongside Jamie Hale and Elliot Noose. Stay safe and happy travels, everyone. Until next time, we leave you with this 10 seconds of Zen.